know, um, there's a lot going on. So when I signed up for this, I, it probably wasn't until last week that I realized it was Mother's Day. Um, but I will say that this message has been on my heart a lot for the last couple months. So I'm going to stick with it. I told you I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. And I hope you'll, you'll go along with me. Um, if, if I could just pray really quick, and then we'll get started. Lord Jesus, I just thank you again for this opportunity. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would work through your words, God. And I pray more than anything, God, in this, this group of family and friends, Lord God, that you would empower us to do your will for you. God, give us courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, that song we just did, Reckless Love, we, when we picked that to do with the youth group, um, Adam and I also, we went and we went back into their action Bibles and we read this story of uh, the 99 sheep and Jesus looking for one. And so it wasn't just that we were singing that, um, but we were also learning about that and we were learning that story. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So the first thing I got to do to start this off though because what I want to talk about is relationships and communication. But what I have to start with first is a command from Jesus. And so if I can get, you guys are going to be really familiar with this. The Great Commission, I think it's coming up, Matthew 18 through, or 20, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So, if we remember like when Jesus gave this command, so he had risen from the grave, conquered death, and he's seen the disciples for the last time, and this is what he leaves them with. So he's done all these things, and then he gives them this command. And if we go back further into the word, Jesus says over and over and over again that don't just listen to the words I'm saying to you, do them. The wise man is the man that listens to what God does and does it, and his house is built on a foundation, but a foolish man listens to what God says and doesn't do them. And James says a foolish man is a man who looks into a mirror and walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But blessed is the man who hears what God says and does it. So what is God commanding us to do? What is, what is Jesus saying? Well, first off, he's saying go. Why? If you had this kind of information and you had been with Jesus, like why would you need to be commanded to go tell everybody else? Like, don't you think that that would just kind of come through you naturally? Like, I'm going to go tell everybody about this? But Jesus says, go. Okay, so that's, that's one of the commandments. And then he says, make disciples. And I think that what I'm going to come back to is that disciples don't make themselves. Right? So you have to make disciples. And what is a disciple? It's someone who follows the teachings, the life, and the aim of another until the person becomes like the master. So go make people that are going to follow Jesus so that they become like Jesus because they know you and you know Jesus. Then he says baptize. 
So, I mean, it depends on the denomination, but, but baptizing, right? And I think that to be set people free. Salvation sets people free. Salvation through the blood of Christ sets people free. But baptism is, is, you're, is you're bringing them in through the Holy Spirit, through, the, through this demonstration of their faith, saying, saying, this is the old you, and this is the new you, and now you've entered into a new family. Set people free. And then teach. And this part really came out of me today. You know, I think we, I always hear the go and baptize all nations, right? And I hear that part. But Jesus says, teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Well, that makes it actually a lot easier, I think. Because go, make, baptize, teach. Well, it's easy because it's all in here, right? I mean, living it out is hard. But teaching it couldn't be that hard. God's already given us the instruction manual. We already have the workbook. So go, make, baptize, and teach. So I want that, that's, that's the baseline for what I want to talk about today. So as, as you guys uh, probably remember, in 2018 we left and we went to Fort Leavenworth. And uh, I went to the School of Advanced Military Studies. And about halfway through the School of Advanced Military Studies, um, I was assigned as the operational planning team leader for this gigantic marine exercise. So we were going to take a bunch of army guys, and for three weeks we were going to plan this massive marine exercise. And in order to do that, they assigned me this marine officer that was going to be my mentor. But it wasn't just any marine officer. It was Lieutenant General John Tulin, who had just retired as the Marfor Pack commander. So the commander in charge of all marine forces in the entire Pacific. And Lieutenant General Tulin, not only had he just done that, but in 2003 he was the chief of staff for General Mattis on the initial invasion of Baghdad. And then he got moved and he was put in command of the 1st Marine Division for the fight of Fallujah. So needless to say, General Tulin knew his stuff. I mean, to the point like I shook hands with him and he about crushed me. And he was... 65 years old, and he was sharp and extremely, extremely well-versed in military tactics. And the very first thing, before we ever even got started, General Tulin sat us down, and he said, Noah, he goes, I'm going to share something with you. This is something that I've had every single one of my operations sections do since I've been in command. He said, I have them write these three questions on the whiteboard or anywhere that they can write it inside the operations section. And I think, we, I think it was on the front of the sermon These three questions is what he has everybody write in their operations. What do I know? Who else needs to know? And how am I telling them? He said, if we can answer these three questions in our operations, and we can do these three things, we're 98% there for getting the mission accomplished. Because it's all about communication. So, as I've been sitting in church in in contemplating all the things that we're doing, I, I think that it's the same. I think these are the same three questions we should ask ourselves, but we should ask them in light of the command of the, of the Great Commission. What do I know? Who else needs to know? And how am I telling them? All right. Oh, you know what? I was going to pass around note cards. Well, you guys are going to have to remember the three, the three commands. So I think they're pretty easy questions, but I want you to think about them. What do I know? How many many people saw the movie Jesus Revolution? 
So, so a few of us, this movie Jesus Revolution. Uh, if not, uh, I think it's safe to say that um, a lot of our congregation um, was alive when it happened, uh, and people were being baptized in Pirates Cove in, in California. But there's this, point of the, there's this point in the movie where Lonnie Frisbee, who's the, the hippie, is talking to Chuck Smith. And he says, he's explaining to him that, he's explaining to him what the hippies are. He said, they're, they're desperately searching for truth. They're desperately searching for love. And they're doing it in drugs and in music. They're searching everywhere, but they're honestly searching. And he said, they're, they're searching for Jesus and they just don't know it, right? They didn't know Jesus, but Chuck Smith knew Jesus. Lonnie Frisbee knew, knew Jesus. What do I know? I know Jesus. I know Jesus as my Savior. I know Him as the forgiver of my sins. I know the freedom in my life that, have I, that I have experienced because Jesus is with me. I know the depths that he has redeemed me from. And I know where to find him. Basically, I know my story. And I think all of us know our own story. Nobody knows your story better than you. What do you know? You know what Jesus has done in your life. That's the one thing that you know better than anybody else. But there's more. I know all the apostles' stories because they told them to us, right? I know what Jesus taught because it's, it's in here. So basically, what do I know? I know Jesus. Who else needs to know? So just like the, the hippies, you guys have heard me talk about this before. Um, I believe that we are living in a time right now in the United States where Everybody has the ability to be whoever they want, to have whatever they want, and to do whatever they want. And they're finding it utterly meaningless. It's not fulfilling anything. And I don't think that that's just outside of the church. I think we're coming to the conclusion also within the church. Right? But we're all struck with this. It doesn't satisfy. Um... This last Thursday and Friday, how many people were watching on the news that Title 42 was going to go away on the border? It was a big deal. I was in Yuma on Thursday. I was in the Border Patrol Detention Center in Thursday. On Friday morning, I flew in a Lakota surveillance helicopter from Yuma to San Diego along the border wall. In Yuma, Arizona, 4,000 people a day are coming across the border. 4,000 people a day. That's one-tenth of the population of Helena. So in 10 days, all of Helena would have crossed the border. 1,000 people a day are being arrested. Now these are the people, the people that are coming across in Yuma, they're the ones that want to be arrested. They want to be picked up by Border Patrol. And then you've got all these ones up in the mountains, the drug traffickers and the pushers. They're coming across in other places and they're being caught. Okay, But as I walked through the detention center, I was in a room about this big, and it was divided into six different cells, if that's what you want to call them. They're all these gigantic, it's, it's like plastic from the floor to the ceiling. 
And in each one is broken up by nationalities and the, and the languages they speak. And on the floors were laying mothers and children. So the mothers and children in one area, the single men are in one area, the dads are in another area. And they're all laying on the floor and they're all wrapped up in their space blankets because that's all they have. And they're waiting for their 72 hours before they'll be released. And, and I was, as you can imagine, overwhelmed. Because it's not what you think it is. It's not a bunch of criminals. It's not a bunch of super poor migrants. It's people that look just like you and I. They're dressed the same as us. And I was sitting there and I was, and I was standing there and I was thinking, what are they leaving that they're willing to spend $20,000 a person to pay the cartel to transit through the Mexican side, because nobody can get through that side without paying a cartel to go through there, to get picked up by a U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, to then potentially get released and then live as a fugitive of the law, because they're never going to come back to their trials. And for the vast majority of them, wherever they're going, they're going to get on a plane or a bus, and they're going to go to a major city. They're going to get picked up, and the cartels are going to grab them there. And they're going to be put into slavery. They're going to be put into indentured servitude until they pay that off. Why? Why would they do that? What are they leaving? Well, it's no different. I, I don't know. But they're leaving something worse in hopes of something better. Where they are, where they're coming from is obviously it's worth the risk right? We've all come from there. We were all slaves to sin. And we were all willing to sell our souls to get out of it. No matter what that was. I don't know what it was for everybody. Maybe it was drugs. Maybe it was alcohol. Maybe it was promiscuity. Maybe it was overworking. Maybe it was seeking the attention of somebody else. But, but we were all willing to do whatever it took to get out of sin. But there was only one thing that would get us out of sin, right? And so when I think about who else needs to know, everybody needs to know. Everybody needs to know. So, we live in Helena, Montana, though, right? I mean, most of the people that live on my block go to church. They may not go to my church, but they go to church, right? Some of them go to the Catholic church. Some of them go to other churches around town. Some of, them, some of our friends go to assemblies. So, do you remember the story of the lost sheep that I talked about? Did the shepherd stay with the safe sheep, the 99 that were already going to church? No, he left to go find the lost sheep. So now if we go back to the Great Commission, maybe it makes sense why Jesus had to say, go. Because the disciples could have just stayed where they were. They could have stayed in their little group. They could have said, hey, you know what? Like This upper room that we're using, it's not going to house everybody. So we need to make it, the upper room a little bit bigger. And then, you know what? Hey, hey, the numbers that are coming into the upper room are starting to dwindle down. Maybe we need a coffee shop. Maybe that'll bring them in. <laughs> right? Um, 
But no, Jesus says, go. All right? And sometimes you're going to have to find them. And you're going to have to look for them. And I'm not talking about looking like a man looks. I'm talking about looking like a woman looks. Or like a mom looks. So here's my little thing for Mother's Day. In... We have a story that follows directly after the parable of the lost sheep in Luke. And it's the parable of the lost coin. It says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and and her neighbors and rejoices, saying with me, I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. She lights a light so she can see into all the dark crevices. She sweeps it out until she has searched everywhere until she finds that coin. What Jesus tells us to go, he tells us to go and look like a mother for that one person that's lost. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. All right, so who needs to know? Everybody needs to know. All right, how am I telling them? I think we're all pretty good at understanding the first two, right? We may not be that great at looking for those that are lost. And, and, and one more thing, because even the youth group kids got this. When you go to look for who's lost, and I'm guilty of this, so please don't think that I, that I am great at this every day at work, try to remind yourself that you are already saved. You are already guaranteed freedom in Christ for eternity. You have absolutely nothing to lose. Nothing of value to lose. Everything that we do that is not for the kingdom will be burnt up. Right? Jesus says that. So we have nothing to lose. That shepherd loses his life looking for the sheep. It's okay, because he was doing it in service of the king. He was doing what his job was. All right, how am I telling them? Uh, British evangelist J. John said, The essence of the gospel is to know Christ and to make him known. That's it. Know Christ, make him known to other people. So, okay, so before I did all this aviation stuff for a long time, I was a recruiter. And I was the officer recruiter for the, for the National Guard. And then after that, I spent some time away, and then I came back and I oversaw recruiting. And so I've learned quite a bit about what it takes to bring somebody into your organization. And here's, here's what I learned. First off, more marketing is not more effective than more recruiters. So I actually studied this because I'm a marketer at heart, and I thought, well, we could save a lot of money if we just marketed better and had less recruiters. But the data is completely opposite. You get a way higher return on your investment with more recruiters than more marketing. Okay, what else did I learn? People don't join the army. People join their recruiter. So that people aren't just walking around saying, hey, I wanna be in the army. They meet a recruiter, they develop a relationship with the recruiter, 
your recruiter is your best friend for your first year because that's all you know of the army. So people don't join the church. People don't join youth group. They're not in here. They didn't join youth group. They joined James. They joined Addie, and they joined Savannah. They didn't join Grace Community Church. They joined a friendship and a relationship. And then, as a recruiter, I'll never forget, I went down to Billings, and I was um, reviewing some of my recruiter's performance. (laughs) And I had one guy, we pay them a lot of money, and he had made one appointment in like three months. I was like, what am I paying you for? Well, I don't really want to be a used car salesman. I said, well, what are you selling? And then I walked him back and I said, well, what has the guard done for you? Like, do you personally like being in the National Guard? Well, yeah, I do. Well, why? I said, do you like, well, they, they paid for my school and I, and I really like the people and it's a good steady job and I've learned a lot and I've got, I said, well, tell, tell people that. You don't got to make something up. Just tell them what, what the guard did for you. So, so what do those three lessons mean when I, in terms of how do we tell them? You got to tell people your story. More marketing, Facebook, Grace Community Fellowship, those are outreach things. Believe me, I, I don't think that marketing without, is without merit. But it is far more effective if we share our story. And I think it's truthful to say some of us share our story. We're better at sharing our story with others around us during different times of our life. If I'm walking with the Holy Spirit and I'm letting the Holy Spirit use me, I'm probably a little bit more apt to tell my story than if I'm doing something that I feel like maybe I'm trying to hide from God. Because then I feel like I'm shamming by saying, oh, God's done all these these great things for me, but I'm still over here. But the truth is, none of us are perfect, right? When I was watching the Jesus Revolution and I was thinking about this, because when Jesus started his ministry, if you look into the Bible, it's very simple. Jesus said, repent, because the kingdom of God is here. Repent. Like Jesus didn't go around telling everybody that he was going to make their lives better or that they, he, he said, repent. And I was watching the Jesus Revolution and you know what hit me? Is that I don't walk around daily with the joy of being set free. I don't remember daily what that felt like to be in high school or to be in college and to be overwhelmed with the weight of my sin and then to be set free of that, right? The youth group and I and Adam, we read The Prodigal Son and we talked to them. We tried to put it in modern day terms like this is like going to Vegas and blowing all your money on sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? After you left the ranch. But if you can imagine what that felt like to come back and say this has all been set free. And if you can remember, if you can look back and know what that felt like in your own life, like, why are we not telling people that? We have nothing to lose. And there's a generation, and I'm not talking about Clara's generation, and I'm not talking about Jake's generation. I'm talking about the entire generation that's surrounding us. From one year old to a hundred years old. Because if they're living in the United States right now and they don't know Jesus, they need Jesus and they don't 
know that they could be set free. Some of them may not even know what the chains are that are shackling them down. They, they're, they're calling them a million different things, but Satan's just blinding them to the fact that they are chained. But if I walked around and said, man, the army sucks, and these guys are telling me to do stuff all the time, and I hate it, or if I just walked around and said, you know, the army is a pretty good deal for me, um, I don't really feel like I need to tell anybody else, because uh, that would be kind of awkward. But I'm getting a ton of benefits out of it, and I might tell a couple people that I'm not really sharing, because it's not like there's like some limited supply of goodness to give out. There's an endless supply, an infinite supply of grace that we can given out. And for so many people, myself included, all they needed at that one point in their life was for somebody to say, if God can forgive you, I forgive you, and I love you, and that's it. You guys have heard my best friend Randy speak. He's the missionary in Bolivia. He's come up here, and I've told this story a lot of times, but I was, a, I was at a point in college. Um, I had done some things. I had been kicked out of leadership. I was struggling, and all the rest of my roommates were more on the side of like, hey, man, you really messed up. You got to pay the price which was fair. And Randy sat down with me one night and said, no, the Bible said God's grace is sufficient. And if God can forgive you, I forgive you. And there goes launch into life to know that somebody can actually love you that way. So how are you telling them? I really think that we overburden ourselves with thinking that we got to be pastors that we got to be able to to share and and teach like seminary level teaching but it 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 doesn't that's not what gets to people greg you know right jamie you know you're doing a you're doing a mission through people working out gail you know We, we all know and we're all super proficient. And I would say there's no retiring. I'm, I'm sorry to be the one to point it out. I'm, I'm sorry to, to add this to your plates. But there is no retiring from the gospel. Because I've been thinking about this, and I could, good thing I'm not seminary trained because I could be kicked out. Um, the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, doesn't ever talk about the mom. But if it's anything like any of the houses that I've been a part of, there was more than likely a mom that prayed the entire time for her son and was constantly praying that that son would know in the depths of the hog pen that he was in that his dad loved him and that he could come home. That's the story that I tell people. Jesus saved me so many different times. And he's, he's looked after my family. And I can give that story. And I don't have to make anything up. I don't have to oversell Jesus. And you know the beauty of it? Is that in that moment, people don't have to trust Jesus. They're going to get there. But if they're, they're, if they're your friend, and they trust you, they're going to trust the work that Jesus is doing in their life. 
and that's going to bring them to Christ. All right. What do I know? We talked about what I know. Sometimes I wonder for the church, maybe it should be, who do I know? Right? The higher up I get in this military thing, the more and more I hear senior leaders saying, it's all about relationships. Right? When you're younger in the game, it's all about tactics. And it's about merit. The older you get, the more you learn it's all about who you know. It's about relationships. The world runs off relationships. So who do I know? I know Jesus. And I know a whole bunch of people that know Jesus. Because if you're a nurse, and I may not be able to relate to you. I may not have the same stories about how God's worked in me that are going to reach you, but Shelly does. Right? If you're a realtor out there, I don't know the best way to reach out to you. And it may not even be that I need to share Jesus right now. But maybe you want to get into the game and you want to know some more about what it means to be a realtor. Well, John knows. And I can send you over to John because you know what I know? I also know that John knows Jesus. And if I refer somebody to John and they get to know John, they're going to get to know Jesus. Who else needs to know? Everybody. Every, everybody. And how am I telling them? Am I looking for them? Am I telling my story? Am I looking like a mother for the, for the sheep that are lost? Am I okay with the fact that everybody on my block already goes to church and therefore I'm not going to go any further than that? So if you go all the way back, General Tulin wrote that on the, in every operation on the whiteboard. What do I know? Who else needs to know? And how am I telling them? Because here's the real lesson. If that never leaves the whiteboard and gets out, nobody ever knows. The battle's lost. So we have to go. We have to make. We have to teach. We have to baptize. Because if we don't, it's just really great information that somebody wrote down in the operations center and nobody ever told the units. Nobody ever told them that the enemy was coming from them. Nobody ever told them the way that they could go to be free or to set others free. So we know it, and I challenge you. And um, I can speak from the heart, but in the last four or five months or more so, I mean, God's been a part of my life for a long time but I've just been overwhelmed with the fact that they just need to know. And I was watching the Jesus Revolution, and there's this, this point where they're standing in the pirate's cove, and they, this guy, the pastor grabs this new hippie and says, do you want to know Jesus and be saved from your sins and be baptized? That, that was it. Like the old hymn, Would You Be Free From Sin?, and for me personally, it's been overwhelming me. And then my other job, you know, I, I, I could easily hide behind the other clothes that I wear and say, well, I'm not supposed to talk about this stuff at work. But I don't want an entire career, and we all have, we all have something that we can hide behind, but all for not. So anyway, what do you know? Who else needs to know? How are you, how are you telling them? That's what I challenge all of us. 
Um, and I think I'm super glad that we had the youth group up here because I think that they're doing a really great job of this. And they're excited about it. And I think they're excited because they go tell their friends how much fun it is. And I want to do the same thing with other people with Jesus. So will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much, God. Jesus, you taught us so many lessons. And then you said these two commands are the greatest. Love God, love your neighbor. Lord, you are who we know. You are indeed truth, life, way. God, um, I pray for Grace Community Fellowship. I pray for each one of us in our daily interactions, Lord, that you would come through, that we could share our stories of, of how you have changed our lives and for the better. Help us not to forget, Lord, where you brought us from so that we can tell other people. Help us to be salt and light to those around us, God. Help us to be hope to those around us. God, would you just fill our minds and our hearts for the love for others Help us to find them and not be afraid to find them. In Jesus' name, amen.